continue our study this evening on the dividing the testaments. You've been here most of the year. You understand we're talking about what people want to know about the Bible, some very basic things that uh, folks ask questions about. And we need to be able to give an answer. And uh, We're working on a few of those this year. And the big topic that we're on this time is Bible basics. Just I'm not going to go very long on it, but I think there's a few things like the difference between the Testaments that we need to have a pretty good grounding in so that we can explain it to people. Uh, it occurred to me as I was sitting there in front of the teenagers that, uh, well, I'll just be blunt about it. I used to hear lessons like this all the time about the difference between the Testaments and the the old and the new and what the difference was and how important that was. And my guess would be, I may be way wrong, but my guess would be uh, this topic is not being preached in any other church of Christ in America today. There, there may be today. I'm not saying ever. I'm saying on July the 20th, the odds are not many preachers are talking about this. Uh, it's not... Well, I started to say it wasn't exciting. It's not that. It's it's kind of boring. Yeah, it's a little bit dull in some ways. It's a, a pretty pedantic to go through some of this and lots of things that happened long ago. And what do we need to know the differences for? And uh, a little bit dull. There's a difference between unexciting and unnecessary. However, uh, this isn't the most exciting topic, but I think it's necessary, and not only for our grounding in the faith and understanding the, the New Testament better, if we understand the Old Testament, plus the Old Testament says it was written specifically so we could learn from it. We're supposed to learn from it. And beyond that, the, the purpose of this whole year on Sunday evenings is uh, that people ask about it. People are confused about the differences between the Testaments. And we talked about some of those examples last time. Uh, while we were singing the love of God, I thought, you know, it'd be good if that's all we had to ever talk about. We could just talk about the love of God all the time and grace and, and good things and exciting things and sing great songs like that and, and focus on that. All. That'd be wonderful. But you know, people are, are confused by things to the extent you can't tell them about the love of God until you've answered a few basic questions. Because Satan's got them all messed up out there. And they want to know about things we talked about last week. About, uh, you know, your Bible says thou shalt not kill. And it says to keep the Sabbath. And it says you can't eat pigs. And, and what, is, what does all this mean? So you've got to work through some of that sometimes. And that's what we're trying to do this year is learn some of these uh, basics, I call them, that uh, are good for us to know and necessary for us to know. Uh, last time we were together, we covered page one of this the handout you got tonight, Bible Basics, Dividing the Testaments. Uh, page one was a whole lot of information and 
things that you may or may not use. It helps you get a better grasp of the flow of history and all that. Uh, some of the, I need to clarify one thing over on the right-hand side about the ages. Uh, somebody asked me, started asking me details about that after church. Said, "Well, the patriarchal age could it have gone a little bit further?" And I, I got to thinking, "Well, I didn't get this out of the Bible. You know, there's nowhere in the Bible that says uh, the patriarchal age ran until so and so B.C. and then then the Mosaical age started." And I, this is just a handy way to think about how God has dealt with people during the Centuries. Now, obviously, God can do anything He wants to. In fact, in the end of the Mosaical Age, almost into the Christian Age, God still spoke to a patriarch every once in a while. This is John the Baptist's father, Zacchaeus. God sent an angel to speak to him to tell him what he wanted him to do. Okay. Uh, so. God can do anything He wants to. But in general, if you understand the way God dealt with people, patriarchal, mosaical, Christian age, it helps you answer a lot of questions. It helps you understand what to expect and what not to. Since I live in the Christian age, I don't expect dreams and visions. I don't expect Gabriel to appear to me and tell me exactly what to do. Because the writer of Hebrews said, God used to do that. But now he's spoken through his son. So I, so I don't expect that. Uh, I don't expect to follow the Mosaical law. I'm in a different age now. It's been taken out of the way. I don't, I don't worry about following the Mosaical law. I don't think I need to build an ark. You know, there's a command in there that says, go build an ark. But since I understand the, the time periods and who I'm reading about, and uh, that was in the patriarchal age, I'm in the Christian age, I don't worry about that. So uh, make sure you understand this is not a biblical division of these ages. It's just a good way to think about how God dealt with people through the ages. All right, that's all the cleanup, I think. Let's go to page two and see if we can finish this. Exciting topic of dividing the testimonies. Uh, bear in mind, I don't try to be boring on purpose. You know, I, I don't go out of my way to do that. In fact, I try to think of something semi-humorous every once in a while to lighten things up, and usually that goes to no avail. But I don't try to be boring all the time. It's just the topic is not <laughs> exactly a thrilling one. It's exceedingly important. And it's a powerful topic, and it's wonderful to know, but uh, let's work on it anyway. All right, anybody in here ever make a will? Go to a lawyer and have a will filled out? Man, you guys are in a heap of trouble. <laughs> Not one will in here. Okay. Uh, you think I'm boring. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know some of you have written a will. You just don't want to admit it right now. Uh, either you've written a will or you've attended the reading of a will or you've opened a parent's will at some point after they died. Uh, you know what a will is. If you know what a will is, we're on our way to understanding this whole thing. Uh, because the most common thing people say 
uh, a battle wheel, especially in the, the movies and stuff, is when you see one, it always says the same thing. I, so-and-so, being of sound mind, leave this my last will and testament. Okay, so will and testament must have something to do with each other. That's what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with a, a will, a testament, a covenant is another name for it, an agreement. And wills, testaments, covenants, agreements are a contract kind of thing. And they can be between, they can be one-sided or they can be two-sided. You can sit down and make a covenant with somebody that says, if you do this, then I will do this. If you produce this, I will pay you this. Uh, you can make an agreement two-sided like that. But a, a covenant, a testament in general is more one-sided, where one person says, here's my will. This is what I want to happen. Okay. Now the wills that we write, the wills that uh, lawyers write for us, are what we want to happen to our estate when we die. We say, right now, I'm of sound mind, and when I die, this is my will. I want him to get this much and him to get this much. I don't want her to get anything. I don't want him to get anything. I want to send $1,000 to this cause. Uh, we have... Uh, here at Know Your Bible, or at Northside and Know Your Bible, uh, we've gotten checks in the mail from a lawyer all of a sudden that says so-and-so passed away in such-and-such a state and left Know Your Bible $1,000. Okay. Uh, they put it in their will. That's what they wanted to happen to their money. Okay. So, so we understand that. We basically got this figured out. There's two different wills in this book. Now, there's two different covenants, two different testaments. And we talked about what's in each of them a little bit last week, what's the, the flow of them and all of that. Uh, we're going to talk a little more about that tonight and really get into the, the best part of it of why we need to understand this. Uh, the first part of our Bible, or the biggest part, is called Old Testament because it deals, hang on here now, it's exciting, it deals with the older or First Testament, and the new one is called New because it deals with the newer or Second Will. God had two wills. He made one, He changed it and made another. And we're familiar with that. Uh, if you, after a parent's death or grandparent's death or something, start going through the file cabinet or the safety deposit box or find something and find three or four versions of a will and take them all to the lawyer, what's he going to do? He's going to read the dates on them. He's going to say, here's the latest one, and this one's in effect. You're going to say, well, I've read them, and I like number one a lot better. You know, he's got, got me in there. He cut me out in number four. Well, it doesn't matter. Whatever one's in effect is the will that's in effect. So we've got an old one and, an, and a new one, a first one and a second one. Now, 
What's the differences between these? Let's work through that just real quickly here. Uh, put it under the heading, Major Differences Between the Testaments. The old one was a national covenant. He said, here's what I want my people to do, my chosen nation, Israel. It was for Israel, it was for the Jews. The new one is universal for all nations, all people, everywhere. That's two pretty big differences, huge differences. Not conflicting at all. God had one until the right time, and then he put a second will in. And he made it universal for all people, all places. The old one had in it both religious and government information. It told people how to do things religiously, and it told people how to do things as a government. God had a theocracy. He was the king until the people asked for another king and started to mess things up. But he had both religious and civil information in it. The New Testament doesn't have any civil in it. It's just religious. And you say, well, we were talking about that this morning, weren't we? Yeah, all it says is it's obey your government. Doesn't tell you how to run the government. Doesn't tell who's got to be in it. Doesn't tell anything about the, the laws, legal, any of that. The Old Testament's full of that. Laws and punishments and regulations and restrictions and health laws and it's all in there. New Testament doesn't have that. New Testament just talks about the religious part of life. The old part, the old will, the first will, had in it the Ten Commandments, which everybody's familiar with and everybody reveres and everybody gets all excited when we say we don't follow the Ten Commandments anymore. That probably stirs up more questions on Know Your Bible. Why why do you say you don't follow the Ten Commandments? Well, that's in the Old Covenant. Plus, there are detailed laws in there beyond the Ten Biggies. There are detailed laws about how to worship and how to sacrifice and how to eat and how to be healthy and how to take care of legal obligations and how to be moral. It's all in there. The New Testament doesn't have, it has hardly any detailed laws and regulations. There's a vast difference when you read the two. The the new is generic, if I could use that word. The new gives some uh, big top-level kind of commands, if you will, uh, some laws, and that's it. It lets us figure out how to do that. It's a different kind of law. It says, love each other. Jesus said, here's, here's the command, you love each other. Okay, It doesn't tell you how far you can live for your, from your neighbor or what you do if his ox gets loose. Or, it doesn't give you any of those details. It just says, love your neighbor. Okay? And it says to submit to other people. That's kind of the other big one in the New Testament, among Christians especially. Submit to one another. 
worship. For how much of the Old Testament is about exactly how to worship? Anybody else ever get in Leviticus and think they were never going to get out? Yeah, it's all about this to take the blood on this thumb and do this and put it here and do that. And, holy mackerel. It just goes on and on. Yeah. New Testament says worship in spirit and truth. You say, well, there's a lot more to worshiping, right? Well, yeah, I know. But you don't get a lot out of that other than the New Testament. New Testament says worship in spirit and truth. And I know we've come up with our five acts of worship, and I'm not saying they're wrong, and we've come up with lots of traditions, and I'm not saying they're wrong, but the Bible says worship in spirit and truth. And that's the way the New Testament deals with things. A very high-level, generic kind of command, and we're left to figure out how. Now, I put down that the New Testament does repeat, in essence, most of the Ten Commandments. And nine of them are repeated in one way or another. Uh, for instance, the Old Testament said don't murder. Jesus said you were told not to murder. I say don't even hate people. Obviously don't murder. And murder is listed as a sin and all that, so it's repeated. The only one that's not repeated is to keep the Sabbath day. We're freed from that law, from that restriction. Last point here on this one is to become part of the Old Covenant, of the Old Testament, to be in God's first will, you were born into it. If you take Granny's will and go to the lawyer today and he reads your name in there, you're going to have to prove who you are. You're going to have to have some reason that you're in the Testament. Okay? Well, in the old one, that you got into it by being born. In the new one, you get into it. You get to be part of that. You get to be a recipient of his will by choosing to obey Christ, choosing to become a Christian. And we kind of brush over that sometimes, but that's a huge difference. Uh, let's look at Hebrews, read one passage here before we go on. Hebrews 8. And the whole book of Hebrews is written about why number two is better than number one. Why, why the new covenant is better than the old one. Why the second is better than the first. Okay. Hebrews 8, let's start in verse 7. Uh well, I'll start in verse 8. And this whole passage here, you can see it's inset different in your type probably, is a quotation from Jeremiah 31, the prophecy God made. And what he said was, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. Okay? I've got an old covenant. I'm going to make a new one with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And we understand what that means. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant and I turned away from them. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. And we're the spiritual house of Israel now, the universal house of Israel. 
He says, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Now let's think through this a minute. Where were the old laws written? On a tablet of stone. They were written on scroll after scroll of animal skin that the scribes and the Pharisees studied all the time to see what all the laws were and to clarify them and all of that. And he says, my people didn't keep them. So I'm going to make a new one. And in the new one, I'm going to write things on their minds. Okay, what did we just talk about? The huge difference between the lists and regulations and on and on and on, and the very broad, generic, high-level commands. Does anybody in here as a Christian not know that you're supposed to love your neighbor? That's on your mind. You know that. Was there any Jew who ever lived that wasn't sure what he was supposed to do on the Sabbath day if his cow fell in a ditch? A lot of them didn't know what that was. It was written down in this huge long list and somebody had to find it and interpret it for him and on and on. It's the difference. It's on our mind now. We know what God wants. So he said it would be on our mind instead of on a written stone. Now catch this part, verse 11. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the last of them to the greatest, I'll forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Now what's that say? Think Old Testament. How did you get into the Old Covenant? Born. Okay. Day one, you were a Jew. If you were born to a Jewish couple. Okay. You're born into it. You're a Jew. Okay. Now, let's suppose you grow up, get to, let's say, 25. How much do you know about the Lord? You say, well, that's a hard question. Yeah, it's a real hard question. Because it all depends how much you wanted to know about the Lord and how much your parents taught him, taught you about him and how much you studied and how much you investigated and how much you learned about the Lord. You could get to be 25 and know nothing about the Lord, but still be a Jew. So under that system... Somebody would teach his neighbor, now you need to know this about the Lord. Well, I don't know that. I was just born a Jew. Compare that to the New Testament. How do you get into the covenant? You got to know who the Lord is. You got to know what he's done for you. You've got to choose that salvation. Now, am I saying you know everything about it? No, but see the difference between being born into it and picking it when you're old enough to pick. That's the difference between the two covenants, one of the differences between it. Okay, Hebrews says that's one reason the new one's so much better than the old one. The old one, people didn't know anything about the Lord particularly. All right, the purpose of the Testaments, let's do this even quicker, 
the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, reveals the nature of God. It gives us a history. I'm going down the column now instead of across. It, it provides a history of God's dealing with man. It tells about the creation and fall. Tells about the plan for redemption. Tells about the promise to Abraham. Tells about the great flood in there. I left that out. Tells about his giving the written law to Moses. Tells about his covenant with the children of Israel. It's a history of the early part of the world and the the Jewish age and through all of that. Uh, All the way through it, it promises a Messiah and a new covenant. Just like that Jeremiah passage we read. Someday, I'm going to make a new covenant. Someday, I'm going to change this one. Someday, the Messiah is coming to rule over my people. Okay? Uh, the last two I put there, you may strike you as a little odd, but the Old Testament is specifically instruction for us. We're supposed to learn things from it. We learn about the nature of God. We learn how serious He is about sin. We learn all kinds of things. It's instruction for us. We're not under that law, but we learn a lot of things from it. And it's an example for Christians. You can see how people related to God and what they did, right and wrong, And you learn some things, 1 Corinthians 10 says. It's a good example for us. Nadab and Abihu didn't care about what God said about worship. We can learn something from them. It's a dangerous thing to not care about what God says about worship. All right, on on the other column, the, the New Testament still reveals some more about the nature of God, specifically through Jesus. When he was incarnated, he came to show us God. It gives us enough evidence to believe in Jesus. Is one purpose of the New Testament writings. John chapter 20, he said, I couldn't write everything Jesus did, but I wrote this much so you could believe. There's enough in the book of John for you to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. The Messiah promised in the Old Testament. Okay? Then you get into the the book of Acts, and it explains in great detail and example uh, the plan of salvation and the examples of salvation. We learn about that in the New. Then you get into the epistles. This is going back to the first page. You can see the kinds of books in the New Testament. You get in the epistles or the letters. And it talks about how the early church started, how churches were organized, how churches had problems and how they got solved, how to worship in a church, or more specifically, how not to worship in some churches. It talks about life relationships, marriage and friendships and brother-sister and all of that. It talks about how to live an abundant life, gives us good coaching for life without giving us all of those detailed rules. And within the New Testament writings, we can find major doctrines and arguments against common errors. A lot of Paul's writing is against 
doctrinal errors. A lot of it is also against just church problems and people not getting along. And he says, here's how to handle that. On doctrinal things, he says, we know this is what's true. A lot of Romans are heavy doctrinal stuff. The things we need to know about God and Jesus and salvation and all of that. So that's the two differences, considerably different, two testaments. Okay. Now, what's important? The authority. The Old Testament promises that a new one's coming. So I don't know why this should shock anybody that we, we don't follow the old one. Because all through the old one it says it's going to get better. God's going to make a new one. Well, he did. The New Testament claims to be a better one. Read the book of Hebrews, the whole thing. That's what it's about. It claims to be the second covenant, the new covenant, the better covenant, the superior covenant, built on better promises. What it itself claims. Okay? The, the New Testament or the new will of God for men. When did it come into effect? The Bible tells us very clearly in Hebrews 9, when Jesus died on the cross, he nailed the old one to the cross. The old one died with him. The new one came into effect. And if you read that Hebrews 9 passage, the example it uses is where we started tonight. The last will and testament. He says the man's will doesn't come into effect until he dies. And so that's what happened here. When God died on the cross in the form of Jesus, his new will came into effect. Paul goes on specifically in Colossians because a lot of the New Testament was written, not a lot, but some of the New Testament was written by people who had problem with this. They'd grown up under the Old Testament, and they wanted to know why they didn't have to keep that anymore. And so Paul wrote them, in Colossians 2 particularly, and he said that old, old stuff, the old regulations, the old written law, all of that's been canceled. It's been taken away. It's been nailed to the cross. You don't have to follow that anymore. Don't let anybody judge you by it anymore. The Bible couldn't be any clearer that the authority that we are under now is the new covenant. Just like a lawyer would take the most recent date to making a test, will and testament effective, that's what we got. One of the second one, not the first one. Okay, what's this mean to us? Well, don't get confused here. The Old Testament's not worthless. Both the Old and the New Testament are divinely inspired, and they deserve our respect and our study, and we can learn a lot from them. Okay? Cindy and I, when we were... Traveling for a company a long time ago, we ended up in one congregation, and they asked me to teach some class, and I got up, and I made a few references to some Old Testament stories and things like that. They all just looked at me like I was from another planet. And I started asking questions and talking to them, and they never studied the Old Testament. In their history of the congregation, they just never studied the Old Testament. They didn't have anything against it, particularly. They just, nobody ever taught a class on it. Nobody preached about it. 
And you say, well, weren't they still Christians and going to heaven? Yeah, but man, they didn't understand a lot of things. A lot of references in the New Testament and then just the, the nature of God and all, they just didn't get. Yeah. So it's not that we live under it, but it's an important thing and we ought to respect it and study it and we can learn a lot from the Old Testament. Second statement there is probably the most important. We are not, however, required to follow any of the Old Testament. We don't have to follow it. None of the laws apply to us. Now, there's things in there, the nature of God, the moral principles that don't change. I mean, they're still true, and we, we, we know they're still true, and God's still God. He doesn't change. The moral principles that he said, for instance, Genesis 9, 6, said if someone takes the blood of man, he has to forfeit his blood. Okay? That's reinforced in the New Testament. That principle doesn't change, but we don't believe that or follow that just because the Old Testament said it. Okay? Now, what's the most important about this is when we understand this division between testaments, we understand the, the differences between them, the purpose of the testaments, everything we've talked about, life gets so easy answering questions. When you understand something real basic, it makes questions a whole lot easier. Okay? So when anybody asks you, uh, well, but what about the thief on the cross? He wasn't baptized. The answer is not complicated at all. You just say, well, which covenant did he live and die under? Case settled. The Old Testament doesn't say anything about having to be baptized. That's where the thief lived and died. So it doesn't apply. Moot question. Next question. Now, I'm not saying we ought to be that rude to them. We ought to explain it a little bit. But once you understand the basics, it's real easy. Well, David worshiped with a harp. How come you don't have a harp up here? Well, what covenant did he live and die under? What covenant do I live under? Simple question. Somebody asks, and, and people wonder about this stuff. I mean, sometimes they're trying to be obnoxious, but generally they just wonder. Your Bible says that there's dietary restrictions. I can't eat pork. I can't eat this. I can't eat that. How come you eat pork? Well, which covenant do I live under? Simple answer. I know it's in the old covenant, but I don't live under that one. People call, know your Bible all the time. Why don't you worship on Saturday? The Bible says worship on Saturday. Well, which covenant says worship on Saturday? Not the covenant I live under. Question answered. I mean, that's such a, a basic thing once we know this and understand it. Now, we've got to explain it to people. Maybe not in the detail I explained it, but if you know this, then you can explain it to people. And lots of their questions just go away, become very simple. All right.
So hopefully we understand dividing the testaments a little bit better, and we'll tackle another Bible basic next time. Thank you for your attention. If you're here this evening and need to respond to the Lord's invitation, we'd be happy to help you with that, or if you have any other need of this family, we're going to take time like we always do to sing a song of invitation and invite you to come. Let's stand and sing. <laughs>